0: Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is episode 234. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. Up on this episode, we are concluding with the final installment, the final movie in the bloody terror box set. The movie's The Shocking Cinema of Norman J. Warren from 1976 to 1987 with his final movie in 1987 being a little movie called Bloody New Year. After the first break, I'll be joined with my guest who has been with me through this entire journey, the phenomenal Derek Bourgeois, and we will uh, see if the final movie is The Mutt's Nuts or if it is a big steaming pile of cow poo. I will leave it up to you to guess before we get there, but I've got a sneaky suspicion you know where this one is landing. We will also, because our great listener Tony Case out there suggested it, we will be ordering our favourite and least favourites uh, in that series at the end of the episode, so stick around to hear us do that as well. Now this is a brand new week of podcasting from Podcast Under the Stairs, and oh what a week I have planned for you. Uh, it starts right here, where the fun always starts, discussing a little bit. Of the bloody terror box set. On Thursday we will be doing a movie club. Oh that is right. A little bit of movie club time. Have you watched Theses? Hopefully you have and you have sent in your review. If not you have until Wednesday to get that. And the episode drops on Thursday. On Saturday you get another one of those listener choice episodes. And then on Sunday 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 we turn our attention back to the world of the 88 film's. Italian collection series. Up this week on the Tea Putts Collective, well ladies and gents, I am spoiling you. You're getting a little bit of where to begin with Jello. On this episode we will be talking about your reviews of lizard in a woman's skin as well as continuing our journey through the giallo landscape. Hopefully you'll join me. Make sure you are subscribed to the Teapots Collective and that way you won't miss those episodes when they drop. And hopefully you checked out the most recent episode of Chronicle where we looked at Requiem for a Village as our ongoing jaunt through British Folk Horror Cinema. Okay, ladies and gents, let's get into this. I am about to take a break. You're going to hear promos for shows that I love. You're going to hear the trailer for Bloody New Year. When I return, I'll be joined by Derek and we'll be discussing the movie right after this.
1: It started as a day out, a trip that held the promise of fun and pleasure. But for Rick and his friends, the fun ended early when they landed on Grand Island. For those who dare, it's a horrifying and bloody new year. Threatened by evil. Chased by the unknown. Terrorized by monsters.
0: the fate that awaits them when they become hostile. Ladies and gents, so here it's here, the last one, the last Blu-ray in the box set for the Bloody Terror box set, the films of Norman J. Warren from 76 through to 87. We are closing out with the final movie in that box set which is Bloody New Year from 1987. Joining me as he has been all the way through this entire run of shows is my good friend Derek, how you doing sir?
1: I'm doing well, uh, besides the, like we were talking off air, it's like, I'm in like a swampland in my room right now <laughs> oh.
0: Yeah, um, a swampland, And about to talk about a movie, which left me feeling cold, I'll be honest with you uh, So, this might chill you out, I don't know um, We're going to be discussing Bloody New Year uh, This is directed, of course, by Norman J. Warren, based on the story and screenplay by Fraser Pierce. Let's do some deets on this one. It stars Susie And of course it does. Nikki Brooks, Daniel James, Mark Powley, Catherine Roman, Julian Ronnie, Steve Emerson, Steve Wilshire, uh, John Glenn Torrin, uh, Val Graham, David Lynn, Roy McLean, some other folks. Synopsis for this one is... <laughs> a, a group of friends take refuge in an island hotel... That is decorated for New Year's. The problem is it's early summer and soon enough, even the walls themselves are striking out against them. So, um, I had seen this one a while ago. Dodgy, dodgy rip. And then I have never seen it since. Uh, We said in the last episode, my memories of this were not fond. And I remember just thinking it was pretty bad. And... I wondered why, you know, I'd never really heard much about it before or since and it says at the beginning of the, the Blu-ray exactly the justification behind this. So the original camera negatives were accidentally love how they say accidentally. If it was me, it would be deliberately. Um, accidentally <laughs> destroyed. So they've pieced together, you know, um, from what is kind of widely regarded the only other set of negatives that are out there. And uh, they apologise for the quality. I'll be honest with you; they've cleaned it up remarkably well. Uh, the the print didn't look all that bad at all. If I'm honest, I've seen. prints. Yeah, there was
1: like a like see. there was a few things of like chemical burns that you could see, like usually in the wide shots of like when you know they're on the ocean. Yeah, it's a little bit noticeable. But overall, I was actually shocked how good it looked all things considered. Yeah, I've
0: seen some 88 films prints where they're boasting about their 2K restoration. I've sat down to watch it and been like, when? Scalps. Oh, God, don't get me started on scalps. Um, So, yeah, I I sat down to watch Bloody New Year. um, And, uh, yeah, I still don't like this movie. It's a whole lot of... There's nothing that happens in the first half an hour of this movie except people making their way out to a hotel, and when they get there, it is like a shite evil dead, um, with a little bit of the shining, with a little bit of Fulci, but none of it good.
1: Yeah, the, the one, the two things that I thought about was Night of the Demons and House of Clocks by Fulci.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's, there's, there's definitely a little bit of Fulci going on here. Um, the way I mean, it's. It's difficult not to do comparisons to *The Shining* and that is a hotel. Well, quote unquote a hotel. Um It's a hotel and there's ghosts in there of guests that are snapshotted from a period of time. Um And this, it's just so uneventful that I think that was like we'll, we'll get we'll kind of swing back through the story, but it, it's just we get a clip at the beginning with with uh, people dancing at a rocking New Year party and then there's a kind of flash, and then we're following some people, I'm assuming they're in Blackpool, uh, which is like the UK's answer to Vegas with no casinos and shite weather. Um, I'm assuming they're there, and they're doing their kind of, ooh, let's go on the whirly-girly, and let's go on the... And that scene goes on
1: and on, it's so weird because fucking then these, like, three, like, 50s biker dudes and one's, like, a 90-year-old man. <laughs> yeah. They all pull out their fist chains and start chasing them. Like, what the hell is going yeah, on? Yeah,
0: one, one of the women's on one of the rides and the guys keep spinning it round and she starts to get a bit terrified. So um, someone, one of, one of the group decides he's going to switch the machine off and they all fly off com- comically because that's not how that would work. Um, but it's like, oh! Kind of like a like bad kind of Star Trek, the next generation. The spaceship's just been hit and the camera's going to tell everyone's going to lean one way and then lean the other. Um, it's a bit of that. And then we jump ahead again and they're on a boating trip. And, you know, you know, inexplicably they get the spring a leak. Uh, and what we're supposed to be like some sort of deep sea which really looks like they're maybe an inch from the shore and um, yeah they end up at the same hotel that we started at and things are a bit weird Uh, and to be honest with you my, my biggest gripe with Bloody New Year out with the fact that really nothing happens in this movie until very late on and all the stuff that is supposed to add tension is laughably bad Um, ...is that when you get to the end of the only one and a half hour runtime, ...this movie feels about double in length... ...when you get to the end of it... ...it has not been worth the journey at all. I mean there's a couple of kills that are pretty good... ...but we can say that about every single Norman J. Warren movie we've seen thus far... ...but you get to the end of this... ...and it's a whole lot of who gives a fuck... And I think that was the bit that annoyed me the most. I, I, I just couldn't believe... I just couldn't believe that this was a movie. Like To be fair, by a guy who we know for a fact has been able to churn out not, like, solid gold, but he's done some stuff that's been at least artist, artistically interesting, a bit nihilistic, a bit vicious. If, the, if you are assuming that people are going to be scared by laughing bushes in this... <laughs> Where someone is clearly <laughs> behind it, going, tee-hee, tee-hee. you know what I mean? It. If you think that's terror, then I don't. I, I don't know. I don't know. You're, it works. You want to know it, what my,
1: uh, my major problem with this for movie it. is? I do not care about any of the oh, God, yeah. characters at all in this, it's and that's what, the problem. There's no care like in, even like a prey or like terror or. Even in noir, at least we get character development and character traits and we get to know the characters a little bit better. Yeah. And, you know, you actually care about what happens to them when the journey is going on in those films. This one, they're just too goofy. And out of, like, uh, Mark Posley, who plays Rick in the movie, he's dressed like Walker, Texas Ranger. Oh, God, I know. So, <laughs> 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 he's no uh, Chuck honestly ladies and gents. He's the only really actor I recognize from this movie because... uh he was actually in Bronson, the uh, Tom Hardy movie. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, so he, he was like, wh- "I'm like, where the hell did I see this guy?" Because he looked familiar, and you know, it, it's just legit. there is some fun gags in it, though. I will admit, like, I like some of like the animatronic stuff, like that possessed uh, steer thing. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Yeah, you know, it, it has some cool moments in it. It's just. I just don't care about the what's happening to the characters. At the same time, it's just
0: yeah. I think none of them feel fully realised, and there's no explanation why any of them would be around each other. They all seem like seeing it or see when you watch an American slasher, right? You have your generic box ticking characters. Here's the jock. Here's the stoner. Here, you know, like, here's the bimbo. You can work through them. In the case of this one, they're trying to do the British equivalent. Here's the biker. Here's the fake cowboy. Here's the the, the dolly board. You know, they're going through them. And in an American setting, that works because they're all clearly at college together or they're, you know, on campus or whatnot. And here there's just no explanation why this disparate group of friends would be spending any time together. Uh, And on top of that, why I should care about any of them. Like, even to the end where... We have a character who kind of sacrifices himself, so uh, our, our quote-unquote final girl manages to make it away, suffering a, probably maybe my favourite kill in the entire movie, which is the quicksand quick stand up to the neck, and then the guy shows up with the, the rudder from a, yeah. a boat, and then we don't even get to see it, which is slightly upsetting. But yeah, and you because you know like a decade before Warren was putting that in the movie um, but the rudder comes down and hits him like a kind of like, like a like a shite dead alive um, you're just not it's just not going anywhere and then the explanation to what happened I actually thought was really cool I'd like when, when we finally get a uh, Susie justin who did a lot of TV in the UK uh, which is how I know her um She is the she she kinda explains the the premise and what was going on, which is that back in time the British government created this device which was gonna be used as a weapon which for no reason (laughs) This is where it gets confusing. This bomb that they were gonna drop that would freeze things in time and play with the fabric of time. Who uses that in war? I mean what's that gonna do? Nothing. But anyway, uh, the plane accidentally crashes on the island, locking everyone into this bubble, which doesn't justify why they're killing people at all. You know what I mean? They're like, that's yeah. not an explanation to go on the warpath for anyone that comes across the island. It with, if you die, you get locked in as well. But why are they like
1: demons? I don't get that part. It doesn't
0: of it. make any sense. That's what I'm saying. Makes <laughs> fucking no sense. Like, you've got a really cool, you've got this kind of cool horror sci-fi plot with the whole bomb exploding and all the rest of that. But then, no other explanation in this movie. We have a kind of a guy wearing a black polythene bag uh, and some seaweed that jumps out of a, a unit at one point and grabs a woman for no reason at all. She's just been, She she's on the worst run of luck. She's just been attacked by a net with hooks in it, which is silly. Um, and a, a tin when she opened a cupboard, uh, which fell out. And that was, oh, that was scary. Uh, and then the the creature comes out. And then our, her boyfriend watches this happen. And it t- he takes about five seconds to react. It's just, And even the score, there's a song, you sent me a message saying that the the, the theme song for this is very catchy. It's difficult to get away from it. It does make you want to get up and do the carton dance, right, from Fresh Prince. Uh, It's it's a very catchy song. But all the other movies, we've leaned back into the kind of synthwave scores really quite interesting, or ominous, or doomy, or well used. That's been in all the other movies. And here, it's just boring. It's flat. It has about as much life as the characters in the movie. Uh, The cinematography is really uninspired as well. It just kind of... It honestly feels like... This guy is just going through the motions in this movie. And I wonder... I don't know enough from the remaining special features on the disc... If it explains why there's a bit of a gap... Between Insemnioid and Bloody New Year... And if there may be an explanation... As to why he returns to do yeah. this movie like this, I don't know. Do you know of any reason why he has that break? Because up to that I, point, he's doing one every year.
1: Yeah, this is. Uh, I don't, I'm not really sure. I actually, this is actually the only one I haven't actually checked out any of the special features mm-hmm. of. So I might have to. I'm very. Cu- I am still curious on the special features on it, and you know, in that aspect of the movie, it's just. I don't know. It's just. It feels like it's a director-for-hire job, to be honest.
0: Yeah, because, I, I mean, I, I jumped back and checked some of the... I mean, so he did a movie in between, which obviously didn't make the box set because it's not a horror movie called Gunpowder, which I know nothing about at all, and it looks like a really bad kind of cross between... It maybe looks like a bit like Airwolf. Uh, <laughs> Deborah Barton plays an evil genius trying to pull... To pull <laughs> Economic reigns on the world. Uh, Martin Porter and David Gilliam are two spies on a mission to save the world with a helicopter. Um, I've added with the helicopter because it's on the cover art. So he kind of did that and a documentary and then he does Bloody New Year in 87 and then he doesn't do anything until a short movie in 2007. Um, And then he did a short... Kinda, it looks like a. it uh, looks like a, the sort of thing that you would see uh, at a festival. Turn off your blood. Uh, turn your bloody phone off. That might be been a fright fest thing. And he did another short, but I mean, it appears that Bloody New Year was maybe the last hurrah, and you would think you would get something in it which would I don't know be kind of inspired, but it just doesn't feel like. And this one, it feels egregiously like it wears its influences on its sleeves. So in Samediode, we were like that. Yeah, this is... We don't want to use the word plagiarise, but it feels kind of heavily like he's leaning in towards uh, Alien. Um, And then the movie before that, uh, which was Terror, we were like, yeah, this has kind of got Suspiria overtones in there. And in the case of this one, it just feels like, oh, well, people like... The Evil Dead Two, didn't they? Right, so we'll add a bit of that with the the kind of the talking, like bushes and the the weird thing that comes out of the, of the trees, uh, from the POV point of view and rushes past the characters. It's like he's using yeah. using like a little bit of the Evil Dead, but none of it's cool. Um, the Filchy stuff specifically with the makeup on the the, the kind of dead bodies in the hotel. Uh, there's a shot where one of them gets shot in the stomach which kind of felt very Fulci-esque without being overtly gory. But it's not really done well either. The idea of the kind of haunted hotel, like I said earlier, which has that kind of shining overtone, but instead of getting, you know, instead of the gold room and, and all the things that happen in there, you've got this really horrible, which looks like community dance hall, and this horrible shit rockabilly band. Um, you know, what I mean? yeah. and that's that. That's a, a loop, and so that's it, it's kind of it's trying to do like a couple of different things. And whereas before, I think Warren kind of makes him his own. He's not here. They just feel really like tired versions of things I've seen much better by other directors. And yeah, I was really disappointed in this because for the most part, we've spoken about this, Pray to Me is a is a huge misstep, but Satan's Slaves I thought was really good, Terror I thought was really good, and Seminoid I thought was really good, that, you know, you kind of want that, this is the last hurrah, we've included it in the box set, here we go, and you sit down and watch it, and it is just, so uninspired, and just so unimaginative, and so fucking boring man, I'd like such, a boring movie with no purchase, and I couldn't wait for it to be over. And then I was like, "Now nah, I need to muster up the the energy to sit and talk about it." And it's it's a shame because, like I say, from this box set, he is he was he was doing quite well in terms of the ratio of things that I thought were good to things that I didn't really like. And I'll go one uh. step further. He has made he has made a way to make me appreciate Prey more by releasing the movie worse than it
1: so yeah it's it's really a shame in that aspect where i i feel like the time period this movie came out in to kind of hurt the overall product mm-hmm. of it because 87 is like where the censor boards were even harder on movies and shit in that aspect yeah. where we would if we saw like that final kill of rick in the movie that would have Made the whole movie 10 times better, and you know, even some more gorier kills. There's, there is some like gore in it, but you don't really get to see it in it, it's like yeah. very close edited and stuff. So, it, it really does hurt the overall product in that aspect. And it, I think it kind of hurt the story in that aspect too, because they had to work around some things too. I think, yeah, I it mean, it feels like
0: there's there's a the, like if you're taking off the things that we've had in other war movies, which definitely 87 is going to have an impact on distinct lack of nudity. And the movie, yeah. which, you know, was like, <laughs> was not shy of someone taking a bath. I mean, there is a bath scene in this one, but it's nowhere near as leery as what we've seen before. So um, that's kind of moving away. But I think about the time period as well, 87 is about the same time as Necromantic comes out. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure Necromantic's 86 or 87. Um, yeah. So other countries are doing weird and wonderful things, and you would just think a guy with this guy's pedigree—I mean, he—he pr- he basically made a like a, a kind of rapey alien movie just before this—that you would think he'd be the one that's pushing things. And like I say, it just feels like something's changed. It feels like either he's been told to rein it back in, or he's too scared of the censor. And I mean, maybe that—that—that that, that is a distinct possibility that maybe he tried to get a couple of things made in between that just never happened because of money, because of concerns and reputation. We don't—we don't know. We—we—we we, we don't know what the situation is. All I know is this movie is severely injured by not being able or not being inclined to do any of that. Any of the things that made these movies interesting in the past are almost uh, kind of. Tamed. It's like it's like they've been he's been neutered almost as a director, and it is just at an exercise in paint by number cliche, even by eighty seven standards. Um, and I could I could keep swinging at it because there was so many bits in this that I just thought, why are we doing this now? You know, and and the, I'll tell you right now, the only guy that was enjoying this production. Was the guy doing the sound effects? Because he got to play, <laughs> he got to play with everything. He's like, can, any chance I can put an old World War II bomber noise in here? Oh, I can! Amazing. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? It's like literally the only, and I mean, at least the movie pays it off by telling you why you've heard all those things and why certain things have happened, but not enough to make me go, ah. By the end of the movie, I'm just, yeah, By the end of the movie, I'm like, oh, right. Oh, that was worth the wait. Um, yeah, I just... I, I don't know, man. I, I I, feel like we're closing it in something bad. And the journey up to this something bad has been kind of rad. And I just realised I'm rhyming. Um, and I know... I, the thing is, they couldn't all be great movies. Because if they were all great movies, then one that negative wouldn't have been destroyed but two you know more people will be talking about bloody new year no one talks about bloody new year and you now know why no one talks about bloody new year because it's not worth talking about
1: yeah it definitely it's definitely a one that it's like Dracula 3D effect where please don't cover Dracula 3D <laughs> <laughs> bye <laughs> <laughs> oh when does that fall in
0: that's 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 in the 2010s isn't it yeah oh that might make that top 10 series next year oh my God <laughs> 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 can you can you imagine could you imagine the co I forced that through oh
1: i think was on that year it definitely would be oh. CGI <laughs> yeah.
0: still one of the still one of the most perplexed things I've ever seen. Well, I was more perplexed watching it than I've been to any movie ever I could not I d I couldn't I couldn't equate what I was seeing Targento at all. Uh, very similar yeah. to how I can't equate what I've seen here to to Norman J. Warden. Um I really don't have anything else I want to say about this movie, Derek. Is there anything you want to kinda of touch on before we give our grade for this? And as suggested by friend of the show Uh, and general all-round good guy Tony Case. We put them in order from least favourite to favourite. Anything else you want to touch on this movie or we'll get right to the good stuff? I
1: I think I kind of dug a little bit more in you in this one. It's just, I like the set pieces of some things a little bit more. Mm. I do agree, like, the laughing trees thing was kind of retarded, but I kind of like some of the effects works of, like, you know, like that duck thing that was just... Fighting the girl. and It was kind of cool and it looked good too. It was mm-hmm. a good effect. You know, there was some, you know, some of the makeup was okay too, you know, on the actual like demons and shit. It was just, it's just muddled. It's just a muddled story. Yeah. And so I did like some aspects of the movie. I just wish they were in a better movie.
0: I think that's fair. I think that's a fair statement. Uh, right. Let's come in with grades on this one. Not gonna lie, and this one's gonna hurt uh, 0.5 for Bloody New Year. Um, it is just below Hated It because that is literally how I felt all the way through it. Um, That's a low grade and it's not one that I give out often and I don't give out lightly. I will never watch this movie again. So, <laughs> uh, what about yourself? Where are you coming in on this one?
1: <clears> hmm. <throat> now you got me on a hot spot. <laughs> uh,. I'll probably give it like a one and a half. Because mm-hmm. I, I, like I said, I did like some aspects of it still. It's just the overall journey and story of it kind of hurt it for me personally, plus the characters. But I did like some of the set piece things in it. Yeah. If that makes sense.
0: No, no, I think, I, I think that is fair. I think you, you are right. I think with a bit more time, which this movie doesn't feel like it had, um, and a bit more cash and I would even say with uh a, a director who maybe felt like he was more invested in the project, I think there is a there's there's definitely something of interest here. Like something that, you know, there is a I'd like i like to set up. I, like the explanation at the end I thought was great, but it just comes at such a late stage that I kind of like I, I, you know, if this you know, had happened earlier or was done better, then, you know, I'm on board, but you, you've not given me that. And as a result, I just, yeah, I, like I say, I think I think you're right. I think there's an interesting idea in here uh, and some interesting build-ups and set pieces, but ultimately it uh, kind of just falls short a little bit. So, uh, or a lot for me, but I, I, know, I do know where you're coming from with that. So with that in mind, uh, like Tony K suggested, let's uh, let's order them. So least favorite, favorite. uh, No one should be surprised. My least favorite is Bloody New Year, um, for all the reasons that I've just mentioned. What's your least favorite though? Is it the same, or was there one that actually it is the same? There we go. There we go. (laughs) I will take that. Uh, Right. So at number five for us both is Bloody New Year. At number four for me is pray. What about yourself? Also pray. <laughs> I got a feeling we might be quite close on this one. Uh, <laughs> number three for me is Insemnioid. What about yourself? Uh you might have a higher slave. Satan Slave. Yeah. Uh, Satan Slave is number
1: two for me. Seminoid is number two for me. Right,
0: so that's just a swap, which means we both agree the best movie in this box set. Top in the list is Terror. Which, yes, which is legitimately a good movie. <laughs> like I really, I like, I can't stress how much I really enjoyed Terror, um, and I kind of, I'm looking forward to going back and checking out again.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it's just the journey was good. I. I we talked about the movie, and the most enjoyment thing about talking about this movie, Duncan, is we did it together, at least. Of course. And, and uh, you know, I just, just looking back on it now, I wish he had, like, a Pete Walker career where he went out with House of Long Shadows. Yeah, well, <laughs> someone had mentioned,
0: <laughs> I'm trying you say that, someone had mentioned that um, it would be interesting to hear our views on... On a kind of a body of work and kind a of time period uh, by Mr. Walker, and I'm not against that, and that that definitely we've got something kind of in the in the, the kind of the hive mind for uh, later on in the year, which we'll, we'll touch on just before we we kind of close up. That I'm really yeah. looking forward to doing, and I think a lot of people get a lot of enjoyment out of that. But I am totally not against the idea of doing some Pete Walker movies later on. Uh, after that because there's a couple in there that I have not seen in ages uh, which I, I genuinely I grew up with a lot of those movies so um, so it'd be interesting to check back but yeah you're you're right I think there's a part of me that's kind of sad that we're at the end of this kind of journey and you are right that bad movies are only worth watching if you can have a conversation about them afterwards. Otherwise, you are suffering in silence, which is never a good thing. Um, and it's been a riot. I, I can't thank you enough, Derek, for for kind of spurring on this idea um, and keeping me to task and making sure it actually happened. Because I do have a tendency, and I, I know that you're fully aware of this and some of the listen, listeners are as well, I will buy box sets and then they just lie there in their shrink wrap because I impulse buy. And if someone says limited, I feel that I need to be part of that small limited group, and or if there's a numbered collection, I feel like I need to be part of that numbered collection.
1: Oh, oh, oh yeah, I definitely know that. I, day one, I bought that Lindsay Baker Severin box set. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, that's mine. Thank you. Yeah, mine. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, you you kind of you know you we sit
0: and we we look at we look at like collections of movies and it's great that we live in a time period that these are accessible to us in a higher definition and these movies haven't been because we could be in a situation where the events that took out um, Bloody New Year could have happened to his entire archive or movies just go missing or you just can't get hold of them so we're kind of blessed that we have that opportunity to go through but I've genuinely enjoyed having a chance to go through what was that? It was three movies in this box set. I thought I'd seen three and not seen two. And it turned out that I had seen two but not seen three of them. So getting a chance to sit back down and watch the his opening three, which, you know, two of those I think are, are thumping good movies. Um has been has been a lot of fun from my perspective. Now do you want to tease the listeners as to what you pitched me last week at the end of the recording? as to what we will do when we uh, reconnect after the summer series uh, circa probably about October time. What did you pitch at me as the, the, the next thing we could tackle?
1: Oh, I, I came up with the perfect idea because I only watched like two films out of both box sets. Uh the American Horror Projects so we'll just do both of them and make it a six part series you know it'd be awesome
0: I think that is an amazing idea uh, mostly because of those two box sets I've seen one movie that is I've only seen one at the at the the kind of two box set group and that is Witch Who Came From The Sea Uh, because it's a video nasty, and the cinematography was done by Dean Cundy, which is nuts to think that's where Cundy started, uh, considering, you know, he worked on Jurassic Park and beyond. Um, So, yeah, that's the only one I've seen out of the collection, so I am Uh, very much looking forward to going through that.
1: Yeah, the ones I've seen out of it are uh, the masterpiece, from what I remember, Malatesta's Carnival of Blood, masterpiece with air quotes mm-hmm. <laughs> and the child from uh, volume 2 nice, so you, you've never seen What She Came From The Sea I think I started it, I just never finished it, it was like one of those, I started late at night, Yeah, as, as you know I work nights, I, I don't think the listeners of this know this, I start movies sometimes and never get back to them because <laughs> I have to work <laughs> it's, it's actually it's a surprisingly good movie
0: as I it still boggles my mind that it was on um, the second tier list of the DPB list for video nasty. Yeah. It doesn't make any yeah, sense. The only,
1: yeah, the only thing I remember from it I'm like, oh shit, that's the girl who played Anne Frank from the Anne Frank movie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's
0: such a, it's such a, a, a non-threatening movie to be on that list it, it it really does surprise me that I made it's it it's probably from
1: the cover art the cover art probably put it on Most there.
0: most it's of cool. them are Most of them are on there just purely for cover art purposes and to be honest with you, if you have a front cover like Driller Killer you're inviting a censor to censor your movie <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs>
1: yeah, I love Driller Killer though such a good it's so movie,
0: awesome. such a good movie. Uh, still to this day I think it's that's why when Bliss came out last year I was like this is this is you know,
1: drill killer with a vampire. Yeah, pretty much. It should have, it, it, even, it even starts out the same way that play this movie extremely loud. Yeah. I'm like, yes, yes, <laughs> I
0: shall. Thank you very much for the guidance. I shall do what you have asked. Um So yeah, like I say, this has been a blast. We will be back um, circa uh, kind of late September, early October to bring you a six part installment looking at the first two volumes of, of the American Horror Project, released by Ado Video. Derek, as always, where can people check out your works?
1: For the moment, uh, as you know, the little story behind what's going on with Horophilia, it's shutting its doors finally, and it will be closing in February, but we are still there for now. We will be finding a new home for a lot of my uh, other shows on there, which I have four shows on there. Mm. There you go, boy. Some awesome titles like Cinema Tech, which is my main podcast, the one I starred. And, of course, Celluloid Dissections, which is kind of like a side catch. But, uh, actually, soon, I'm actually going to venture out and put that show on its own feed. Because I think it deserves it. It's a really good show, as you know I do with my co-host, Carly, mm-hmm. who's going to be on the Summer Series, which I'm excited to hear. Because, I. We've been talking off set, and she's been really enjoying a lot of, like, the Asian horror movies she got to see for the year. So that's always good to hear. I converted one of them into Love and Asian Horror. <laughs> Back, that's a little uh, stab at JP there. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and then also uh, No More Room in Hell, which I do with Mr. Venom and Mr. Mike Merriman, who are also participating in the summer series, I found out, uh, which is awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah, everyone yeah. gets, everyone is getting involved this year, which is kind of cool.
1: Yeah. And, uh, of course, my other co hosts of They're Here, who's also involved in the People's Council, Lacey. Uh, we should be actually recording soon. It's just timing and scheduling. You know how that is. We oh, all know how that is. You know, it sucks at that some point. And, uh, also, uh, on Legion Podcast, I have a little show on the Kill the Cast feed known as Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, which I do with, of course, Jerry Herring, Anelli, the infamous Anelli, and Mr. Venom also, where we bring you those visions from Monsterland. And we'll be covering Paul Gussari soon, which is a North Korean uh, monster movie. And <laughs> the funny thing is, if you never heard the story of Paul Gosari in Behind the Scenes... It's more interesting than the actual movie. (laughs) It's fucked. (laughs) I we'll talk off here about that, but that's it for me, Duncan, right at the moment.
0: Nice, nice. Go and check out this man's work. If you are needing any advice about starting up your own feed or where to go, um, hook me up, because I went through something similar not that long ago, and it has worked out wonders for me, and didn't cost me a penny, so... And I know what what puts off a lot of people switching to their own kind of feed is the idea of cost. And um, there are avenues out there which are super professional that cost nothing. So um, if I can be of assistance, let me know. Uh, Thank you. Right, ladies and gents, I'm going to take my final break of this episode. When I come back, I am closing out this show and I'm doing it right after this You're listening to The Podcast Under The Stairs. And you've been listening to The Podcast Under The Stairs. This has been episode 234. Ooh, 234. Looking at that bloody terror box set. Concluding our little journey, our little jaunt through the films of Norman J Warren by finishing on Bloody New Year a movie which is bloody awful um, so there we go thank you very much to my guest and long suffering companion through this series the phenomenal Derek Bourgeois go check out his works his wares ladies and gents lovely guy I'm looking forward to doing a little bit of that American horror project soon with him there's a multitude of ways to check out the show as always I say go across and check us out on iTunes and spotify and google play and stitcher TuneIn, anchor you name it we're on it just make sure you subscribe to the feed and that way you don't miss any of the shows that we put out we do a lot of content over here and it's easy to skip a show by accident just by purely not being subscribed subscribing means you will never lose an episode so do that that's smart Also, subscribe to the T-Putz Collective and you get an additional episode almost every single week from that feed. So why would you not want to do that? Because it's free. It's free. Free shit. Do it. Do it now. Visit our website. It's tputtscast.com. You can support the show by buying merch um, and various other bits and bobs from tputtscast.bigcartel.com. Couldn't be any easier. Visit us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash t cast The t Collective Facebook page is T-Putzcast on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash T-Putzcast. Couldn't be any easier. Reach out and touch myself and the Baz, inappropriately, on the twin prongs of social media sexiness. Instagram and Twitter, both can be followed at t Visit us on the Flick Chat app, free and available for Android and iOS users, or join code as TPUTSCast. The podcast Under the Stairs will return to you this Thursday for a little bit of movie club action. So make sure you have your thesis ready to roll for Wednesday. Submit it through to be included on Thursday's show but until then, wherever you are, where the time zone is, and whatever you're up to in this big, bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McClish, broadcasting live from under the stairs, and I am signing off.